colic for this morning is important for us because it gives us a clue as to where the scriptures are supposed to direct us. And that is God's greatest gift to us, love. I always thought it was a nice, kind, sweet thing for God to do that, to love us. It seemed really important for me to be loved and to love others. But the extent of the knowledge of God's love for us this morning is much deeper and much more profound than I want to go with it personally. In the gospel lesson, he says to us, you have heard that what it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Love in this context is really a powerful design for us to actually encounter others from the base of love, not fear. So often in our world around us, we are caught up in fear and we forget that the nature of God's love for us is to empower us to face into those fears so that in fact, the people that we're with and attuned to can understand and see that somehow there is this power of God's presence all around us. I've had the unique honor of hearing Desmond Tutu. And it was so true that the love that God beamed through him allowed him to deal with things that no way would I want to touch, would I want to be engaged in or involved with. But he never wavered from God's love once because he saw even in God's love that those who were, quote, opposed to his theologies and, and philosophy of life could always be understood to move slowly and courageously to a point of accepting God, perhaps not God's love, but God. So the task here this morning is pretty strong for us. We have to be knowledgeable about the God's love so much so that we can deal with those enemies that we have either had or created because we are indifferent sometimes to people who are different from us. There couldn't be a gospel more appropriate for our times and in our place right now that we're reminded that it's out of love. Because the tensions, the splits, the divisions in our culture are rampant. And yet it calls for us as Christians to be in the midst of it loving, caring, compassionate, and sensitive. What I find interesting is every once in a while I'm sort of struck by something that is written into a TV program that sort of opens up a consciousness to me that the writers actually have something to tell our, our community and our social culture. 
Sheila and I were watching a program last night. And in the midst of the program, there's a person who is a bartender collecting his money at the end of the evening and putting it on the bar. And he owns the bar with a number of friends that he works with. And in through the door walks this person, dark, long hair, big beard, and sort of gruff looking. And he quickly stashes the money under the counter. He said, we're closed. The gentleman didn't move. If anything, the gentleman started walking forward. Immediately, I'm gripped with the fear that, well, he could be robbing this person. He could have a gun. All of these things were going through my mind in terms of what this represented. The gentleman finally says, I've come to you because I need $200 to buy a suit so I can have an interview for a job tomorrow. This gentleman behind the bar, the owner of the, one of the owners of the bar, thinks for a moment, backs away for a bit, then walks forward, reaches into the cash, and pulls out $200. He hands it to the gentleman and said, I'm not sure why I'm doing this, but I hope this will help. The gentleman turned around and walked out. Well, <clears throat> this, the bartender decided to tell his friends and the other people that worked at him, and he got the worst criticism possible. Jokes, jesting, teasing, saying what a fool, everything else. His culture, his friends, the people he's worked with, shared his life with, are now criticizing him because this was idiocy of the first order. Why would you do such a thing? The interesting part is, as the whole program played out, at the very end, there's this very simple opening of the door. Gentleman walks in with a haircut, trim beard, and a brand new top coat and suit. Walks up to him, the bar, and says, well, where's the owner? Because these are the other friends of his that had mocked and teased him. They said, what, we're the owners. No, no, no. The gentleman that I saw the other night, they said, oh, you must mean Herman. So Herman came over and was stunned. The gentleman reaches in his pocket, and everyone sort of flinches. <laughs> and he pulls out an envelope and said, I just wanted to give this back to you, let you know that you are the only person that responded to me out of compassion and care. And I got the job. It was a powerful moment. And here it was written into a, a play of, you know, typical serial action on TV. And yet, for a moment, a writer took time to show compassion and a giving spirit to someone else. To me, it was a marvelous kind of way of looking at this program to say, that these writers could include a real compassion and moment in the time of all the turmoil that we're facing. It reminded me, I had a person in Batavia, New York, 
They stopped in my office. He had been in the veterans' hospital, and he walked in and knocked on the door, and I said, come in, please. And he said, well, he said, I'm, I'm here because I need some help. And I said, oh, what's that? And he said, I just got out of the veterans' hospital, and I want to paint my way back to Cleveland, Ohio. I looked at him, like, you want to paint your way back to Cleveland, Ohio? I'd never heard this one before. And I said, well, in what way can I help you? And he said, well, he said, I don't need money, but I need paint brushes and some paint. Well, that was kind of an interesting request. So I called up a friend of mine at the paint store. And I said, you know, there's a gentleman I'm going to send over to you, and I want you to give him whatever he needs in terms of paint brushes and some paints, and I'll, I'll take care of it later. So he went, and as he went to the store, my friend who was owning the store told me, he says, he walks in, and I said, do you really paint signs? And he said, yes, I do. He said, well, I'm having a paint sale at my store. Could you give me a big sign, and I'll hang it on the front window? The guy says, oh, wonderful. So he went back. He painted this big sign, hung it in the window. The owner was, wow, this is great. He said, what else do you need? He said, well, I need these paintbrushes and this and that, and went through a list. He gave them all the things. As he was about ready to give them to him, Another person walked in the store and he said, you know, I need some help, some help. I've got 140 mailboxes at my trailer park and I need to have them repainted and numbered. And the owner says, well, this gentleman just painted the sign out front. He looks at the guy and he says, you're hired. (laughs) He walks out. A week later, the gentleman comes back to my office, knocks on the door and holds up his bus ticket to Cleveland. And he says, I'm on my way. Thank you. To me, I was just doing something that I thought was appropriate. But I still had my suspicions. I had all my fears, all my, you know, is this really real? Is this going to happen? And much like the script in the, in the story I was telling you about, about the bartender, The fact that he had compassion on this person who he didn't know, who looked threatening. And yet he was able to reach into his own sense of responsibility and share his love with somebody else. This is a time that all of us need to realize the depth of our Christianity calls us to be lovers of people who we don't want to love to be compassionate about people who are seemingly misled and don't understand what's really going on. Well, there's a part in Corinthians that talks about this. Because Paul's writing to the Corinthians who are not sure who they should follow. Should it be Paul, Apollos, or somebody else? And Paul, in his genius, writes to them, Do not deceive yourselves. If you think you are wise in this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolish with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in the craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast about human leaders. 
I often thought when I got into clowning and I had to begin to play with all my serious notions, all of my rules and regulations and how things ought to be. And this was the ground that I was asked to play with, which became extremely problematic for me because I was so rigid and so caught up in all the rules and doing the things the right way. But the more and more I worked with others and we would talk about our own histories and our own abilities, we could actually laugh at ourselves and make jokes and respond out of our idiosyncratic stuff. A friend of mine, Phil Duncan, who is the rector of church in Clearwater, Florida, who actually was the invitation for me to come to Florida for my job. He said to me one Sunday, he said, you know, Skip, he said, I've known you for a long time because we went to college together and then seminary. And he says, I just don't get it. I said, What's, what don't you get? He said, well, you've changed. I said, what do you mean I've changed? He said, well, he said, you used to be so stiff and so functional at the altar. And he said, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's okay. You're graceful. You, you respond to people. I said, well, it's because I became a fool. I became a clown. And suddenly, my, in my clowning, I realized that there was a whole world out there that I had limited myself from ever experiencing or engaging with. The hardest part for me was when I first started clowning is to go out and just be in a crowd as a clown. And the first experience I had was I suddenly realized that kids are both frightened of clowns and other ones are magnets to clowns. Because the first woman I encountered, she had two kids. One was in front pulling her this way and the other one's in the back pulling her that way. (laughs) And I could see that she was being really torn between those. So all of a sudden I had to think, well, what can I do to lessen the tension for the boys? So I immediately sat down on the, on the ground, and I had my juggling balls with me, and I started bouncing the balls back and forth and everything else. And the one kid in front, I said, would you like to have the ball? And I rolled the ball out, and he rolled the ball back, rolled the ball out, rolled the ball back. So we were going back and forth, and he started laughing and everything else. Well, gradually, I saw the child from behind, the mother, grasping at her skirt, going like this. Gradually, he's standing in front, but he still had a tight grip on her skirt, just in case. And I finally said to him, would you like to catch the ball? And he said, yes. <laughs> so I rolled the ball to him, and he reached over, let go of both hands, grabbed the ball, and threw it back to me. And he starts laughing a little bit. And it was so amazing to me that it was not something I did, but something I allowed the child to experience. Before, I would have tried to do something, say something that would change his attitude. But it was through experience, through being with this particular family, that I suddenly realized that it was not how I operate, it's how this child sees the world and operates. When we're talking about God's love, it's not our vision of the world, it's God's vision. It's not about doing the things that we think are right because they tend to be more foolish and unwise. So we have to learn a whole new script of how to interact with people 
we have to learn to be able to express the kind of love that God's given us to people who do not meet our standards. If anything, we find a dissonance with them. And it's in reaching through that dissonance, it's through becoming more effective in terms of listening, hearing, being, and seeing the act of God's love in them that we can, in fact, allow our own love to grow and be more closer to God. It's a hard time for all of us. It's so easy to find hatred and contempt. And now we have the obligation to find love, compassion, hope, and new understandings with one another. Amen.